Well, hello, teachers, and welcome back to another episode of the Teaching Middle School ELA podcast. Caitlin here with you guys. And hey, it's Jessica. And with a new microphone, Jessica. Right? Hopefully the sound is better for everyone. (laughs) It is so much better. I can tell you that right away. It is so much better with the mic. I love it. Um, So in today's episode, we're talking about how to differentiate a writing assignment without creating more work for yourself, which is like a double bonus. So your kids get a differentiated writing assignment and you don't have to do any like crazy extra work and it's incredibly helpful for your kids. Yes. And I was just thinking like, how many PDs have you gone to, Caitlin, over the course of your teaching career that focused on differentiation? I can't even tell you. Right? Scores of them. It seems like that's always the topic when you go to them during the year. And, and I, don't I don't think- learn oh, anything. No. <laughs> like you leave more confused. Yes. You're like overwhelmed. You're like, oh my God, the examples they show are always these like picture perfect classrooms with aids and like everyone's well behaved. And it's like- oh, of course I can do leveled books and multiple small groups and, you know, everyone's doing the right thing. And it's like, no, (laughs) I'm discouraged, right? (laughs) Totally. And there was actually this one time, I don't know if we were teaching together at this point, but it was in LA at the school we both ended up at together. And we went to this PD on differentiation and it was awful. Like it was just so not practical, so not helpful. And you could tell like all the teachers at our school were just miserable. And afterwards, our principal, Chris, who we love, we've talked about that on here, but he was like, I am so sorry, everybody. Like, I owe you all a pizza. Like, <laughs> I, I was there for that. You were there. Yes. <laughs> yes. Do you remember that? And like, totally. like we just wasted our day being there, <laughs> which was really nice of him to acknowledge. But yes. we don't want to waste your time here. Like, no. we have practical tips today for how you can differentiate. And we're just going to dive right in. Two practical tips that are going to make a difference in differentiating your writing instruction. Yes. And it may seem like, oh, I should have thought of that. And because it is, it's super simple. It doesn't have to be this crazy thing that you're doing to differentiate your writing assignments. So tip number one is very easy. And if there's one place you're going to start, start with this. You know, this is definitely doable. Um, It's easy to incorporate into your units. And that is to create multiple essential questions for the same text. So in this way, you're essentially giving your students different writing prompts to respond to at the end of, let's say, a short story or a novel unit, whenever it is that you are going to be having them write a a response to literature or an essay in response to the text. So we're going to give them two. I've given my students actually four essential questions to choose from before as well. Um, but this and is really, yeah, go ahead. Really jumping in in case you're like, wait, what exactly is an essential Sorry. question? Like Caitlin <laughs> said, writing prompt and no, 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 that's so true. But here we're talking like open-ended critical thinking questions. Students can support their answers with evidence. It's not a just, you know, boom, quick, I'm done answer. We're right. talking like yes. in-depth answers here. Yeah. And so I'll give you some examples so that you can kind of start to think about how this would be applicable to a, a story that you're teaching, a short story, et cetera. Um, so for our Romeo and Juliet unit, I always talk about Romeo and Juliet, but I love it. Um, I always give my students two different options to choose from on their final response to literature for this unit. And I, with eighth grade, I did a timed 60-minute in-class essay for them. And so one of the questions that was a little bit easier was, were Romeo and Juliet truly in love? And so for students who, you know, kind of maybe struggle with writing or aren't interested in writing, this one's really easy to approach because it's that's an easy question to take a position on. You know, either yes, they were or no, they weren't. And now I need to find evidence from the text 
to support that position. And for that question, that evidence is pretty easy to find. And the way that I taught that novel lent itself to really easily answering that question. Are you following what I'm saying so far, Jess? Yes, I'm loving it. Okay. And then the second question that I gave that was a little bit more challenging was who is responsible for the deaths of Romeo and Juliet, right? Obviously use evidence from the play to support your reasoning. And so this one was a little bit more challenging because there were various characters to choose from. Students might've felt that one or more, maybe two or three people were responsible for their deaths. So whatever route they were going to go, that one gave them that ability to, you know, think a little bit more outside the box, right? It's a little bit more abstract of a question per se than were Romeo and Juliet truly in love. So those two different levels of questions really was able to meet my students where they were. And there are some students who, you know, I might want to say, this is going to be the better question for you exactly. or another student. Hey, I really want you to challenge yourself. I want you to pick this question and they don't know, you know, unless they, they talk about it outside of class, but even still, that doesn't mean anything. You know what I mean? They don't don't know which one is more challenging. Yeah. 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 Um, so that was really helpful. And so you want to think about that in terms of how you're structuring your your essential questions. If you do give them to which one is a little bit easier and why, you know, don't just come up with like two questions. You want to be intentional with the two questions that one lends itself to an easier response. The other one is a little bit more challenging and a little bit, maybe even more open-ended for your kids. And another way now, if you want to take this differentiation to the next level is you can figure out when to release that essential question to your students. So you probably have heard on us talk on here before, but I mostly taught fifth grade. Caitlin was the eighth grade teacher at the school we were at. So I would give my essential question to my students before they even started reading a novel or a short story. So we'd go over what the question was. They knew that eventually they would be writing a response to literature that answered that question. And then the entire time we were reading our piece of literature, we were keeping track of our evidence. We were searching for evidence. We were writing justification so that when it came time to write that final RTL response to literature, they were good to go. They had all this information to choose from. And so inside our writing program, actually the EB writing program, we really encourage teachers to use evidence trackers with their students when they're first learning how to do literary analysis writing, because it's a great way to differentiate. It gives students that extra bit of support for their writing. If they can be searching for evidence along the way, discussing it with their peers, discussing it with the teacher, it just really sets them up for success. Whereas I know, Caitlin, you did it a bit differently and you differentiated for your older students in a new way. Yeah. So with my older kids, I actually, at the beginning of the year, yes, I would give them the evidence tracker and the essential question to get their feet wet. But then as the year went on, I might give them the the question that's going to be on, or I might tell them it's going to be one of these three questions or two of these three questions on the in-class essay tomorrow. And I would give them the evidence tracker to take home that night so that they could kind of start to you know, get their thoughts in order depending on the questions and they could prepare that way. Well, then on the day of the test, I use the evidence tracker as basically an outline, right? Because I didn't want to necessarily give them a graphic organizer. I wanted them to take that and put it into a full-blown essay in eighth grade. Um, Although there are some students that I would provide a graphic organizer for, and we'll talk about that in a second. Um, But the evidence tracker became like their brainstorm for their paper before they sat down to actually write it. So it's like they got the evidence tracker, they got their questions, filled it out really quickly, and then spent the next 50 minutes of class writing their full-blown, you know, in-class response to literature. And so it can, the evidence tracker, I mean, 
it can be used in so many different ways. Yeah. You know, and in our program, we have an evidence tracker for basically every different type of writing because uh, the evidence trackers are going to be different depending on what writing style you're doing. Right. So. So just to tie that all back together, that first tip for how to differentiate without lots of extra work on your part is to come up with multiple essential questions for the text that you are reading or analyzing with your students, and then determine if you're going to release that essential question before the unit begins or at the end, like Caitlin did with her older students. And it's, I mean, we're talking a few minutes here. That's all it's going to take you to do this stuff. So it makes such a difference for our kids. It makes such a difference. Oh my goodness. You're going to be so amazed with the quality of writing they produce when you do this with them. Yeah. So super simple, super practical tip. Cool. All right. Tip number two, and Caitlin, you touched on this a bit, but it's using a writing framework as a graphic organizer for our students. And the key here is it has to be a common writing framework. Do you want to talk about that a bit? Yeah. So we teach our EB writing approach, which again is synonymous with literary analysis, right? Analyzing a text. Um, so that's really our common writing framework that ev- all other types of writing build off of except for narrative, which is kind of, you know, just a little bit different than everything else. Um, And so when students sit down to write their essays, whether they're in class with me, right, or whether they're at home or it's an assessment in, you know, at the end of a unit or something like that, depending on your grade level or where your students are, what's great about a graphic organizer that all builds on that common writing framework is that you can actually differentiate the graphic organizer itself. So if students need more support, you can give a few more hints in that graphic organizer, right? If your graphic organizer has the term premise on it, well, if your student needs a little bit more support, you're going to write, remember, this is a reason for your claim, right? Maybe here's an example. Or if your students don't need that, right, they need to be pushed, you can say something like premise, make sure you include a transition word or, you know, make sure that you include charged words if you're talking about persuasive writing or include different uh, vocabulary words here, right? Pick from one of our vocabulary words from this week so that students who are at different levels in your class are being met really easily through this graphic organizer that does not create a ton of work on your part at all. Right. So this ties in because we have to assume, you know, we've taught our students a common writing framework. So that would be your first step. What writing framework are you going to use with your students? And then you create that graphic organizer. And the one we use with our students and with our teachers literally is broken down as intro paragraph, include this, this, and this body paragraph, use these things, conclusion paragraph, use these things. And like Caitlin was saying, you can differentiate from there. You can edit it. And maybe on some kids, it they need the reminder that says indent here, or maybe on other kids, it just says premise, or it just says, don't forget to go back to chapter, blah, 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 and write about whatever it is. Like you really can make it to meet the needs of every single student. And it's just quick fixes. And once you have those done, well, then you can rinse and repeat and use them again the next time you teach that particular text. But what's great about these graphic organizers, and I'm sure you saw the same thing, Caitlin, with your kids. Um, I would offer it to my students partway mm-hmm. through the year. At the beginning of the year, we all use them. Mm-hmm. But as they became more confident in writing, I would say, okay, who wants one for this particular assignment? And you would have kids that say, nope, I don't need it anymore. I've got the framework down. I'm good to go. And then you would have kids say, yeah, I just kind of want to have it near me so I remember the order. And then there were kids who wrote every little detail on it and like then transferred to a final draft. And so it was so great because it offered them that support. And it was like, 
baby steps almost. Like you could use it up to when you needed it and then you could pull back a little bit and have some freedom with your writing. So it's just a great way to structure your writing. Use a common writing framework, whatever it is that you come up with. Create a graphic organizer and use it every single time. And I think that's so key, the common writing framework. Like graphic organizers are great, but they're not helpful if you are not using a well-developed approach to teaching writing, something that's a clear framework that you've done the in-depth, the deep dive with them. If you haven't listened to last week's podcast episode, go back and listen to that. Um, But it all stems from that right? Teaching your kids the same writing framework at the beginning of the year for literary analysis writing. And then doing that allows you to do this in such a seamless way for you, for your kids. But if you don't have that common writing framework or you haven't done that deep dive with your kids first, then this doesn't have that same effect. You really need to have that common writing framework dialed in like to a T that you know exactly what is included. Your kids know exactly what is included in order for it to have the intended effect that we're talking about. Right. Because once you have that common framework, think about how it's going to apply to your rubric, right? If it's a very specific writing framework, then you can easily see where a student is struggling and then you can provide support in that particular area. So for example, if some student is having trouble with finding just right evidence, that's reflected in your framework, on your rubric, and you can offer critiques or suggestions to students on that area. So it just kind of brings cohesion to your whole writing curriculum. So we really encourage you to do that. Have a common writing framework that you can edit to make it as detailed as you want or, you know, as hands-off as you want. So I think a little extra work up front really pays off in the end. It's going to help your students produce much stronger writing. Um, So we talk about this common writing framework. We've like kind of touched on our EV writing approach. And I just want to like, I feel like we weren't super clear with what we do um, in terms of that. So again, literary analysis writing, we call the EB writing approach. Like that is how we teach writing and everything else stems from that. And it's all something that we teach in our EB writing program that includes our EB writing approach, all expository writing, persuasive, argumentative writing. It is that common framework that's woven into the heart of your writing curriculum at your school that you use with your kids. Um, And so to kind of, I guess, invite you guys, right? Because we're closing our enrollment tomorrow. If you guys haven't seen yet, we're open for enrollment for our EB writing program right now. Um, the, the doors close tomorrow evening, I think at 9 p.m. California time is what um, we have on the schedule. So I'd love to invite you to come check it out. You know, this is the one opportunity of the year that we have our enrollment open. We won't be opening enrollment again until next summer because we really want to be able to support all of the teachers in our programs throughout the school year. So you can go to ebacademics.com forward slash EB writing program, EB like evidence-based EB writing program. Um, Learn more about the program. We would love to have you enroll so that we can support you and show you exactly this. Show you. I'm just thinking like, so you can transform your students into these rock star writers. So that we're talking about, yeah. Use these strategies and, and truly step into the role of an amazing, amazing writer. Like you will be blown away with what they create. Yeah. So all these things that like we're talking about this week, last week on the podcast episode, if you're like, I want to do that, I want that for my students, but you just don't know how to do that. We're going to provide you with that transformation where you walk into your classroom. You're like, oh, okay. 
I've got this and I know my kids are going to get it too. Yeah. Um, so again, that's ebacademics.com forward slash EB writing program. Um, do we want to just review the two tips really fast after we, yeah, absolutely. So two simple tips to differentiate without that extra work. You're going to offer essential questions to your students, have multiple options for them to choose from and decide when you are going to share those essential questions with them. And then you're going to create or use a common framework and provide that to your students for all the writing they're going to do during the year. With the differentiated graphic organizer. Yes. You decide <laughs> how many hints you want to give them on there or, you know, yes. how little you want to give them on there. Yeah, exactly. All right. So that's it for this episode, you guys. I think we have some bonus episodes coming out soon on Thursday of this week. I'm almost positive that we do. Um, with Shana, my friend Shana from Hello Teacher Lady is going to be on the podcast talking about digital feedback how to leave feedback in a digital learning environment, which I think is gonna be really cool. And so, perfect for right now. This totally. <laughs> yes. <laughs> which is why we're airing it now to be helpful right when we go back to school, regardless of what the school year looks like. All right, you guys, we hope to see you in our writing program. And if we don't make sure that you stay with us on the podcast, follow us on Instagram. Um, and we will see you guys later on the podcast. Have a great day. Bye guys.